sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Welcome to the Paris Cinema Podcast, where we discuss cult films, genre films, experimental and art house movies, and anything else that has flown under the radar of mainstream moviegoers. Okay, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so this is our 10th episode, and to sort of celebrate, we decided to pick 10 of our favorite films that have doom endings. And we're going to kind of explain what that is, because I don't think a lot of people know what a doom ending is. Do you want to tell us what that is, Adam? I actually don't think anybody knows what a doom ending is, because it's a it's a term that I you and I have used for maybe about a decade uh, or maybe longer. So, but a doom ending is so at the end of the movie, the good guy does not win and either him or the world or a group of people is left in a state where you know they're going to be suffering for the rest of time or something, you know? So it's definitely not a happy ending. Mm -hmm. It's like the opposite of a happy ending. Right. And it's, and it's not like, uh, it's not necessarily bad guy wins. It's just, it's just uh, the main character is left in a situation that, there's no escape from, and it's really not good. Yeah, and just to kind of expand on that, sometimes that means that the protagonist dies, but usually it means that they're actually still there, and like you said, just kind of suffering for eternity. But some of the movies that we're going to talk about today do involve the characters dying, and some of them don't. So... What do you think it is about these kind of endings that are so interesting? Almost every movie now is a comic book movie. They're never going to have a doom ending. And if they do, they're just going to like fix it. Like the end of uh, the Avengers, uh, the Infinity Wars, there was kind of a doom ending. They should have just left it like that, though. Just like half of the people are dead and that's it. Thanos wins. Yeah, that would have been a doom ending. But it's interesting because... It you know, instead of leaving you with a resolution that you feel good about, it's like you just know that everything's going to suck for that person or everybody in that universe until the end of time, you know? And you leave the fe the theater feeling like shit. Yeah, which is, which is actually a good thing in some cases because happy endings kind of get boring. Right, and I agree. And I think uh, one of the things that we should talk about is that the uh, the doom endings a lot of times are associated, at least for me, with uh, with horror films, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it's you know s some of the more uh, shocking endings uh, are just in run of the mill drama films on on some occasions or thrillers or 
you know, there's this kind of spans all different genres, uh, even though a lot of the films that we are going to be talking about are horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let's kind of jump right into it. And I think the way that we're going to do this is we'll just kind of take turns. Um, Adam and I both picked five films. We're going to try to get through 10 of them today. And we're just going to take turns and we're just going to give a really brief synopsis of what the film is. And then we're going to talk about the ending and kind of why it's shocking. Uh, but since this podcast is about endings, it, I th- it should be obvious, but we'll mention that this is this is a spoiler-filled episode. So you're not going to get out of this episode without finding out exactly what happens at the end of each of these movies. Right. And in some cases, we're going to talk about uh, anthology uh, TV shows. So we might only spoil like, you know, one episode. So it won't be that bad. Right. Yep. And that's a good thing to mention, Adam. One of the things that we have noticed in the past is a lot of these horror anthology films are sort of like, this is sort of like the bread and butter of those films is is the doom ending. So it'll be interesting once we get to uh, some of those. But let, let's start it off here. And I want to pick a film that I saw right when it came out. Uh, Lars von Trier's Melancholia came out in 2011. And have you seen this movie, Adam? Uh, so, yeah, I have seen uh, Melancholia. And I remember um, you and me talking about it actually right after one of us saw it because it was so depressing, which was <laughs> uh, made it a disturbing movie that uh, we had to add to our list of favorites. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and, and Lars von Trier actually made this movie after he had a really bad depressive episode in his life. So this this kind of goes hand in hand with that. And I think that he ex- succeeded in making the most depressing film ever. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen this, the basic premise of this movie is that uh, there's this planet that they've named Melancholia that's coming into Earth's orbit And there's a good chance that this planet is going to collide with Earth. And initially, early on, they aren't sure about the projections. And it looks like the planet is just going to pass through Earth's orbit and everything's going to be fine. And so uh, everyone is like super stressed out that, you know, whether or not these planets are going to collide. And the first pass through the Earth's orbit, the two planets don't collide. But then it looks like oh shit, they actually are going to collide on the next orbit. And so everyone just gets super depressed. And uh, Kirsten Dunst is like the most depressed person ever in a role. And she's actually quite amazing in this film. Just her acting is just flawless. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know how she can really encompass this role the way that she does, but... She makes it very interesting to just watch someone who's super depressed. Anyway, Kiefer Sutherland uh, ends up like going crazy and killing himself because he can't wait for like the planets to collide. Which is a really bad idea. I mean, if two planets are going to collide and you're going to die anyway, you might as well watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just see what happens. Hey, it might be a good view before you die. And then... The, the film sort of ends with 
uh, Kirsten Dunst and her 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 name is Justine in the film and her sister Claire who's played by uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg they basically just wait it out and just watch as melancholia just sort of like fills the atmosphere and destroys them but it's like just one of those movies where like you know exactly what's happening because you know the planet's coming in you're seeing it almost watching it in slow motion but you're still kind of like on the edge of your seat like just waiting just stressed out like waiting for this impending doom to happen and as we mentioned earlier like it isn't always uh, the case where the characters die at the end but this is just in this particular case everyone dies yeah (laughs) yeah the planet died yep everything was just gone and there was zero happy ending with this film yeah yeah definitely uh one of the most depressing movies of of all time it it definitely is and this is sort of like par for the course when it comes to Lars von Trier you don't really get too much happiness in his films it's a lot of doom and gloom it's a lot of depression it's a lot of just really tragic things happening in most of his films so the the main thing that I I like about this film is that it is one of the things that he actually hates about this movie is that it's very polished. It's a very beautiful looking film. And once the film was 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 completed, he actually complained about that. And I don't really see that as a problem. It's just a very good looking film. And the acting is incredible. And the directing is phenomenal. I just I think this is like apart from just talking about this as a as a good doom ending film, it's overall a really good film. So you haven't if you haven't seen it. Um, definitely check it out. It's highly recommended. All right, Adam. So you're up next. What, what do you got for us? So my specialty is kind of, uh, the horror anthology stuff. Like I, I have always been a big fan of, uh, the Twilight Zone creep show, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, you know, all that kind of stuff. Masters of Horror was another good one, but I wanted to, uh, talk about, First, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, which uh, I I bet a lot of people have seen it and they might not have realized it, that it was a Twilight Zone movie. But so this movie has a lot of different segments in it. It's like four or five little movies in one. Yeah, it's it's four. It's four segments. And then there's like an intro that has like Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, and the the only other people I recognized was uh, John Lithgow, and was there anybody else? uh... Anyone else of note? Um, Yeah, I mean, John Lithgow in segment four is probably the most noteworthy, and that's probably the most memorable scene from the movie. Um, Kathleen Quinlan was in the, uh, I think, the segment by Joe Dante one with the tv the tv land one so the the first segment uh is probably got one of the best doom endings ever um it's about this really angry racist guy who goes into a bar and just starts saying all this stuff that's super racist and you know about his job and how 
minorities are getting all the jobs and all this stuff. And uh, he gets mad and he leaves the bar. And this is in you know, the early 80s. When he goes outside, he realizes that he is now in Nazi Germany. And <laughs> he's the minority now. He's uh, getting chased by Nazis and it's, you know, it's just totally crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they think he's a Jew. Yeah, they think he's, he's Jewish and right. he even ends up in Vietnam. But uh, at the end of the movie... You know, supposedly he's this this changed man, but uh, he actually ends up getting stuck on a train, you know, one of those trains going to Auschwitz or something like that. And uh, his friends from the bar are standing right there. You know, they, they can't see the train. They can't see him. And it just shows him like yelling for his friends as the train leaves to the concentration camp. I thought that was mm-hmm. one of the best ones ever. Yeah, and it was great because he doesn't die. He's like he left to suffer. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 and he goes to be killed by the ultimate racists. Right. So he he gets his just desserts. Yeah. Um do you know the uh, behind the scenes story with that actor Vic Morrow? I know that he was killed during a helicopter crash while they were filming that movie, is that right? That's right. Yeah, the uh, so the scene that you mentioned where they were in uh, the uh, Vietnam War, they were filming a scene with a helicopter flying overhead, and it actually crashed onto him and killed him and two child actors that were working on set at the same time. So it was a real kind of tragedy and. This um, episode or this this segment of the movie was directed by John Landis, and we've talked about John Landis in the past because we uh, did a podcast on uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, which he directed, and we talked about some of the great movies that John Landis directed, some of the great comedies, but this sort of really s- screwed up his career because of this um sort of insubordination on his his set that caused the death of these actors. So it was a really unfortunate uh, accident that happened, but uh, I, apparently they had filmed all that they needed to f- complete this segment. That was the last thing that they were filming. So, yeah, it's kind of a tragic story, but um, that's kind of what this movie behind the scenes is known for. Yeah, it's... Uh... A doom ending in the movie and a doom ending in real life. And J- John Landis, uh, he did make some some funny movies, and there was really nothing funny about this. Um, I think it was kind of more of a '80s political statement on on racism, and uh, the guy got what he deserved in the end. Mm-hmm. So right. it was good to see uh, that happen, and uh, uh, just you're left with a feeling of. Uh, <laughs> Of, uh, you know, you just know this guy is going into a world of pain for the rest of his life. And and you're kind of happy about it. That's kind of the other thing that's different about this is a lot of times you you see the protagonist suffering in the doom ending and you're just, you kind of like get a gut punch. But in this case, this guy is a total piece of shit and deserves what he's about to get. So you're kind of happy about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so what do you got next? So did you want to talk about any of the other uh, segments in Twilight Zone? The second segment 
by Spielberg, I should say, is a total piece of shit and probably the worst thing that Spielberg has ever directed. It's pretty terrible. It doesn't have a doom ending. Do you have any thoughts? Well, uh, I'll just say um, it was really boring. It was just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, I, I think it was supposed to be one of those, uh, one of those uh, people that are down on their luck uh, feelings where, where they have a miracle happen and they're all happy in the end. And it just, I don't know, it, just, it didn't belong in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more of like this like magical realism sort of thing where this guy shows up at like an old folks home and like suddenly like all of the old people turn into children and are like happy again because they can run around and play like children and it's just really weird. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't belong in this film. It It doesn't. It's really kind of sad that this was something that Spielberg actually directed, but yeah, it doesn't belong. Right, right. The The other ones were pretty good. I mean, uh, just real quick, there was one where uh, there's a kid who can just wish for anything that he wants, and this lady gets stuck in his house, and his parents are there, and uh, his sister, and they're all just afraid of this kid because he can just make anything happen. And I thought it was interesting. And there was another one which everybody probably knows about. It's 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 uh back in the old Twilight Zone. It was the William Shatner episode where there was the thing on the wing of the plane. You know, nobody else sees it but him, and he goes nuts. And they just kind of redid it with John Lithgow. Lithgow and uh, uh, I don't mm -hmm. I don't know. And it's been parodied a million times. Yeah, I I, I don't know who really did it better but it, it it was good and then you have the little dan Aykroyd uh intro and ending to kind of close out the movie right and there's mm -hmm. it's got kind of a surprise doom ending there too yeah the uh there's definitely a lot of cool segments in this movie the spielberg one kind of brings it down but i think the uh the segment four with john lithgow on the plane was definitely my favorite it's just it's just awesome seeing him like lose his mind. His acting is just great in this one and the the visual effects are awesome. Just seeing the creature on the wing of the plane. It's really well done. And uh we should also mention that that was directed by George Miller of uh you know, all of the Mad Max films is kind of what he's known for. So I think he did the best job out of all of the four directors that did the four different segments. That's just my opinion on it. All right, your turn. Okay, so let's go to something a little bit different and talk about uh, one of Christopher Nolan's first films. I think actually this was his second film, which is Memento. Has it been a while since you've seen this one? Um, it has. I, I remember seeing it and that it was a really different kind of plot but i don't remember what happened in the end so you tell me so like a lot of christopher nolan films he plays around with time and just the way things are edited and it, it kind of reminds me a lot of his later work like in uh, tenet for example where like everything is just sort of like shot and just and edited in a weird order but 
so we're not going to talk about the whole plot of this movie because it's very complex. But essentially, the synopsis is that uh, Guy Pierce's character uh, named Leonard Shelby, his wife is murdered, and during uh, it's during a home invasion, and during the attack, uh, Leonard is hit over the head. His wife is killed, but he survives. And due to the blow on his head, he suffers short-term memory loss. So, essentially, he's got all of these old memories in his mind, but he can't make new memories. And so, it's a thriller film about this guy, Leonard, who's trying to avenge his wife's murder, but he can't remember the details and the clues that he finds along the way. And so what he does is he leaves himself a million sticky notes. He tattoos uh, things on his arm that, you know, like phone numbers and license plates and stuff like that so that he'll remember. And so we're following him along, kind of just stumbling through this journey to find his wife's killer. Now, the reason that we're talking about this movie today is the ending of it, which is just it's kind of a, in a way, it's a twist, but it's not really a twist because the first thing that we, the first scene of this movie, we see Leonard shooting a guy. And the character is Joe Pantoliano's uh, Teddy. And Teddy is, we find out later, shows up to sort of help Leonard find his his wife's killer and we find out that teddy is friends with leonard but leonard can't remember that this guy is his friend and so as we go along we see that leonard doesn't actually trust teddy even though teddy's there to help him and so we find out at the end that it's actually leonard who kills teddy and why he kills him which is that teddy tells him that They've been going through this whole motion of like trying to find the killer, but Leonard actually found him like a year earlier and already killed the guy. So the killer was already his wife's his wife's murder was already avenged. And so all of this that he's going through the motions of trying to like discover who the killer was is totally pointless. But this guy Teddy, who's his friend, is actually going along with him and giving him all these clues so that he finds these other guys. So we don't actually know how many of these uh, supposedly killers that Leonard has actually killed along the way. But at one point in the movie, Leonard gets pissed off at Teddy and essentially writes Teddy's uh, his uh, license plate down so that he will forget that Teddy was his friend and he can just follow Teddy. Does that, does that make sense at all? Is it too complicated? Yeah. No, uh, it is a complicated movie, but I'm, I'm kind of remembering the ending now. Yeah. So Leonard is basically in this, like this big circle, right? He's stuck in this circle forever, not knowing that he's already killed his wife's killer. He's already avenged her. So he's going to go through the rest of his life, not remembering that and continuing to like live this whole cycle over and over again. And so that's, 
that was what came to me in terms of like, well, this is a doom ending. It's just a little bit different because, you know, in a way he sort of wins, but he doesn't, you know? And so, but this is just one of the, this was just, like I said, this is a sort of precursor to what Nolan has done throughout his whole career with some of his other films like Inception and Tenet and he does these complex narratives that involve time and stuff like that so um, I haven't seen this movie in a few years but just kind of putting this list together makes me want to go back and watch it again Um, especially because I recently watched Tenet and I loved it and it was super complicated and it reminded me of like watching these early Nolan films like years ago when they first came out. And this was one of those movies that was one of the first movies I ever bought on DVD and it came out in 2000. So it's been around for a while. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you're a Christopher Nolan fan, go see this movie. Yeah, I, I, I remember it being uh, like a backwards movie and uh, it was something new at the time that I had never seen before. So it's really, really unique. Okay, my turn. Yep. So I do want to talk about some other anthologies, but first, I want to talk about a movie called Martyrs. It's a French movie that came out in 2008. And yeah, it's got a doom ending, but it's also, it's a messed up movie. So the, this goes on the extremely messed up movie list also. It's about these two little girls, they you know probably like nine or ten, and they've been cat or they're they're being held uh, hostage by somebody. I don't remember who it, who it is, but they escape and uh, you know they they end up being friends. They grow up. They they obviously have some pretty severe mental problems. They find out who it was or who was involved all those years ago when they were captured, and they blow them away with a shotgun and that's a that's a great scene actually i mean there's just no mercy it's super brutal oh yeah very well done though Even, yeah really really well done now they they end up getting recaptured by this like cult or some kind of secret society basically who is trying to find out what happens when you die and the only way you can find out is to bring somebody like right to the point of almost being dead and have them tell you what they see. And so the whole movie is basically this girl being tortured. And I mean, it might even be worse torture than Saw because it's not just, you know, these random contraptions. It's it's real life torture that could actually happen. I think in the end, she she has her all of her skin removed and is just being tied up in this pool of water or something and the the leader of the secret society is this old lady and she comes and asks the girl who is right about to die you know what do you see and she whispers it to the old lady so you don't find out what she sees and then the old lady says all right we're going to set up a meeting with the rest of the secret society and we're going to announce what the girl said so everybody gets to know what's on the other side. However, right before that meeting takes place, so the whole secret society shows up and they're having wine and stuff and they're, and they're getting ready to listen to this speech and the old lady is upstairs like getting ready. 
um, her friend comes over and knocks on the door and says, hey, you ready to come out? And uh, she asks him, um, do you have any idea what's on the other side after you die? And he says, no, I don't. And she says, well, keep doubting. And then she pulls out a gun and blows her head off. And that's it. And so you, you don't. Nobody gets to know. Yeah, nobody gets to know except her. But uh, I'm assuming it was something good because that's why she blew her head off because she couldn't wait to, to, to go. Couldn't wait to go. Yeah. But um, I was pretty surprised by that. I mean, but the, the, the torture alone in the movie is like extremely disturbing. And just the fact that you don't get the answer in addition to the person with the answer blowing their own head off was great. I thought it was a great movie. It's hard to find. It's a really hard to find movie. But if you can find it, watch it and be ready to be disturbed. Yeah, as you mentioned, this is a this is a French film, uh, French language as well. Um, and it's kind of put into that category of the new French extremity, which was a kind of a thing that happened in the early 2000s, where a lot of these just really brutal, gory type of extreme films were happening over in France. And so if you're into that kind of film uh, and you just kind of like the sort of shocking uh, movies that have stuff that's just over the top this is definitely up there at the top of the list I mean definitely one of the more extreme films that I've seen and um, this is one that I just recently saw for the first time at your recommendation Adam I'd never heard of this one before and I'm glad I saw it because it's like you said it's got a really good doom ending with this with this woman basically just completely flayed laying in this like just almost like this aquarium thing just floating there and she's still alive and they're just like keeping her alive and so she just left there to suffer for for however long we don't know but that she she doesn't get the pleasure of 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 a nice ending no i i actually don't remember what happens to her or if we find out but I'm assuming she dies because nobody's nobody could possibly survive what happens to her. Yeah, we don't we don't see all we see is that she's like floating in this liquid and it's kind of like this bluish gel sort of liquid. So, I mean, my interpretation was that they were at least trying to keep her alive for at least as long as possible. So I don't know if that the blue goop was supposed to like, you know, keep her from getting a infection from having no skin but obviously like you can't really survive that long without without any skin on your body i think the only patch left was on yeah. her face yeah yeah she had a face and that was it and the the and this and the special effects makeup and all of that was just really good i mean just seeing her completely skinned like that i mean it was just her horrific but yeah, that was that was a good one. Yeah, good movie. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about is is kind of something a little bit more mainstream. This was a really big Hollywood film. Uh, this was David Fincher's Seven, which came out in 1995. Uh, have you seen this one? Oh yeah, and I'm sure most people have seen this one. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a movie that everyone has seen. I mean, you know. Brad Pitt is a is a big name. He's a Hollywood star. 
Uh, David Fincher was not a big director when this came out. He'd only done a couple of things, and I think one of them was Alien 3, which was a total box office bomb. But he came out with this, and it just shocked a lot of people. And for those of you who either haven't seen this or it's been a little, uh, it's been a little while since you have seen it, uh, basically the synopsis is uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are these... Uh, are cops and they're like these detectives and the movie starts out where they uh find this uh body and they're investigating this uh just these different serial crimes and they discover that uh what they think is that the serial killer who they call john doe is sort of inspired by the seven deadly sins and so every one of his kills has like a theme to it like uh gluttony greed sloth etc so they get through all of these different crimes and that each one leads them to the next and they're trying to track down who this john doe is and john doe is played by our favorite actor kevin spacey uh, of course, I'm joking about that now, but uh, back then he was he was pretty good in this movie. Yeah, he used to uh, he used to be a good actor, but bye bye. Yeah, sorry. Let's let's just delete him. Yeah, um, yeah. So John Doe finally uh, they finally catch up with John Doe, and uh, they almost catch him, but then he gets away. And then they catch him again. And at this point, like, he's committed five of the seven, like, murders or the th so far that they know of, right? And so they know the seven deadly sins. He's going to plan seven murders. They've, they've, they found five so far. But here's where the doom ending comes into play, okay? So they catch him. And he sort of makes this uh, deal with them that he kind of like extorts them into this deal of not telling him or I guess what happens is he's going to he claims that he's going to plead insanity at the trial unless uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman do what he says and take him out to this location where he's going to show them the envy and, and wrath victims, which are the two that are left, right? But here's the, where the twist comes out is they get out to this place. It's kind of out in the middle of the desert. And this like delivery driver comes up and gives Brad Pitt this package. And he opens up the package and we realize that it's the head of his wife, Gwyneth Paltrow. We don't actually see her head in the box, but we... we we know what it is by this kind of like flash on the screen where it's like um it's like a picture of her so we know immediately like what he's seeing and so uh john doe uh admits to uh brad pitt's character that this is the envy crime where because he explains how he's envious of brad pitt and his wife and their relationship and then he urges Brad Pitt to basically become the the wrath and Brad Pitt gets just enraged enough that he ends up shooting uh, John Doe and killing him and so 
the doom ending really is for Brad Pitt in this scenario because his wife's head was cut off and he found it in a box and he was duped into murdering the serial killer and so now he's totally fucked and it's not a happy ending for anyone yeah that that movie invented the phrase uh what's in the box because <laughs> brad pitt says that uh probably some of the best acting ever actually yeah at that that moment yeah and this is like one of those endings where i don't think anyone at this point walked into a brad pitt movie in the theater like expecting some kind of ending like this you know like the standard hollywood ending would have been like you know gwyneth paltrow's character is actually like tied up and like they discover her somewhere and she's totally fine and uh whatever but they didn't and to kill her off like that was it's actually really shocking for the time and apparently the test audiences that they showed this film to were so distraught with the with the ending that the production company um new line cinema wanted to go and reshoot a new ending but david fincher was like fuck you this is the ending that we're getting and it's good that he was able to stand up to them because the ending is what you remember from this movie. You know, it was a good movie overall, but like, how would you rank it in just in terms of like the serial killer movies that you've seen? Oh, one of the best. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it was a great film, but it's like when you think back to what this movie was, it was all about that ending. I mean, it was just, I think everyone who saw it was just like shocked that, and again, this was like a big budget mainstream Hollywood film with stars in it and to put that on screen is just fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that movie messed up a lot of people who who weren't expecting that. Right. Yeah. That's that's what we love to hear. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh I want to talk about a movie called The Day After. Now this was uh so so in the 80s and I'm I'm 42 years old. So in the, in the 80s People were afraid of World War III. Um, I, I remember uh, having nuclear war drills in school where you hide under your desk because that'll help, you know, if a nuclear bomb goes off. Just get under the desk. The shockwave will pass right over you. If you're under your desk, you should be, yeah, you should be fine. Yeah, they, they, were, they had really good desks uh, in the 80s. Anyway, so the day after... Starts off with, uh, you know, it's this happy country family and there's like an older uh, doctor played by Jason Robard. Just, you know, he's a highly respected doctor. Uh, I think there's a communications scientist played by John Lithgow. Uh, the president, I believe, is played by Martin Landau. And anyway, the oh, and it's even got Steve Gutenberg in it. Okay. Can't forget about him. Oh, nice. He was in every movie in the 80s. Where did he go? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he needs to come back. Anyway, everything is happy until, you know, pe- people are listening on the radio about this war somewhere else. Uh, I don't remember where it is, but it's somewhere in like Eastern Europe and it involves Russia. And then the United States gets involved. Um, eventually, there is nuclear war and you see... 
all kinds of mushroom clouds. It, it takes place in Kansas City. Um, you see all kinds of mushroom clouds going off, uh, people being vaporized, you know, men, women, and children. You see, you know, people trying to survive after the, the bombs have gone off, but because of the radiation, basically everybody's going to die. And great doom ending because the, the older doctor who, who uh, had spent a lot of time trying to save people realizes basically that his time is up. The radiation is too much. So he goes back to where his house was. And it, it's just this, you know, the, the whole neighborhood, the whole city is just a big pile of ash. And it just ends with him like sitting in this pile of ash with some other unknown guy. And uh, that's it. I mean, basically, you know, the world has ended because there there has been uh, what's called mutually assured destruction. Uh, you, you know, the U.S. launched all its missiles. Russia launched all, all its missiles. So basically, both countries have been completely annihilated. And that's the end. And if you were to see this movie, actually, this movie in the 80s, when it came out on TV, uh, it scared a lot of people. Like the people think it was real. Yeah, pe people were traumatized by this because they thought it could happen at any moment. And it, I suppose it could. I mean, it can still happen. But uh, yeah, it messed up a lot of people. But there is nothing happy about this movie at all. Everything in the end, as it would be in real life, everything is annihilated and everybody's gonna die, guaranteed. So, good doom ending. Yeah. This is this is one that I haven't seen um, because I haven't really been able to get a copy of it. I don't know if, there, if you know of a better way to, to see this movie, but... Apparently it was released on DVD like 20 years ago, and I think that's still the only way to see it. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere? I think you can buy it on Amazon, but as far as streaming it, uh, not by any of the services. Uh, I, I found it because it was on uh, TV one day. And then I was just thinking it. Yeah, this was a, did you mention that this was a TV movie it like aired on ABC? Yeah, it was on ABC. And uh, that's why it scared so many people because they, you know, they might not have known that uh, it was a movie and, and thought Russia's attacking, you know? Yeah. And I see that they're, they actually had to put a disclaimer on it Yeah, on screen at the, in the, uh, right before the end credits basically telling people that the film is fictional. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I can definitely understand how a lot of people would be traumatized by that, that movie. Like I said, in the eighties, everybody was afraid of world war three. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, I definitely need to need to find this and, and watch it. Cause it'll, it looks like it's really good. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, and like you said, back in the eighties, there was, tons of fear about nuclear war with Russia and I I remember that all through elementary school basically so yeah if you're a little bit older and you grew up in that era I'm sure that this would be a nice uh, a nice remembrance to <laughs> remember back to the 80s when we thought we were all gonna die from nuclear war but I guess that's not so much different from being in 2023 right now because you know 
we could still die from nuclear war any any day now. Just we're just waiting around for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the same missiles are still there in the same place. It's just nobody's pushed the button yet. So you know, hopefully that. Yep. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but uh, it could. So it's we're just waiting for it. it. Could still uh, scare a lot of people. Anyway, what do you got next? All right. So uh, this is a this is a pretty new film. Uh, this is. Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse, came out in 2019. You've seen this, right? I, I did see it, but I don't remember most of it, so you'll have to remind me. Okay, so essentially there's there's not... There is a plot to this, but it's more of a character study, But in my opinion, between the, the two main characters, which is um, Robert Pattinson plays Ephraim Winslow and Willem Dafoe plays Thomas Wake and the the film takes place uh I don't know the exact year but it's somewhere around a hundred years ago in some unknown location in the uh, I want to say like what is it like off the coast of Maine or something like that yeah where these two guys are just lighthouse workers Willem Dafoe's character is the boss and he brings on uh, Robert Pattinson is sort of like the new guy and they butt heads throughout the film and they don't really get along and they they get cabin fever from being stuck on this rock essentially working in this lighthouse and they're supposed to be relieved by another crew coming in but because of the storm that never happens and they sort of get stuck there and so the longer they're there the more kind of insane they become. And um, Robert Pattinson starts to see random visions of like mermaids and just weird shit. And eventually gets to the point where like the confrontation between the two characters is so great that they just have these physical altercations that eventually um, result in Robert Pattinson's character killing Willem Dafoe's character. And one of the point points of contention between the two is that Robert Pattinson's character, Ephraim, wants to, to see, he wants to get into the top of the lighthouse and where the lamp is and just see what's going on there. But Willem Dafoe's character will not let that happen. And he's basically like, you're going to do the shit work and I'm going to operate the lamp. Well, after Willem Dafoe gets killed, Robert Pattinson decides to go up the stairs of the lighthouse to see what's actually there. And we only see his face as he's totally entranced by whatever he's looking at as he's staring into, like, the, the lamp of the lighthouse. And after this happens... He, we see him falling down the stairs and basically it sort of just cuts to this, uh, the, the next scene where he's like laying outside with like these like seagulls, like just totally like tear the seagulls have t torn him apart and they're like eating his organs. And we just see him just like laying there alive suffering as the seagulls just peck away at him and that's the end yeah 
Yeah, these guys have a pretty rough job, I would say. <laughs> it seems like a really dirty environment with a lot of uh, extremely difficult labor. Right. And this is this is like, I mean, honestly, this is one of those movies where like, we might have to go back and watch it again and, and talk about the whole thing on a podcast because there's so many like just really kind of weird things going on in this movie that we can't really get to in this episode. Um, but that's basically the, the synopsis of this is it's, it's very simple plot. It's just these two guys like operating this lighthouse going insane and until it finally just destroys the both of them. But, um, and it does, it is a period piece. Like I said, it takes place somewhere around the turn of the 20th century. I don't remember exactly if, if they, they say what the, the, the date is and all of that, but you can tell that this is just like a gritty, grimy, just weird place that they're working. And it's just, I mean, that in itself, just being sent to this fucking rock to work on a lighthouse, that's doom <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really, bad job like mcdonald's would have been a lot better probably a lot better than like here we're just gonna leave you here for like a month see you later you have barely anything to eat or drink yeah. and that's it there's nothing to do because you don't have an iphone and i think that yeah and, they, and they're wearing like the same clothes the entire time <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> so anyway great film i love this movie it's a beautifully shot and black and white film uh, check it out. So w what do you got next? The next one for me is going to be uh, a movie called Tales from the Dark Side, which was also a TV show. Now, that the show was on in the 80s. And I, I guarantee you, guaranteed, if you were a kid in the 80s and you were just like walking around at night and you heard the theme song to, to Tales from the Dark Side, then you would have been scared out of your mind. Oh, you totally shit your pants. It's the, yeah, it's the scariest intro music that's ever been written. Now, the show itself was kind of cheesy. Uh, it was like the Twilight Zone, just I think with a lower budget. But they made a movie eventually. Okay. And uh, hmm. it's kind of the same as the Twilight Zone. You know, it had like, I think, four different stories in the movie. But the one I remember the most is, uh, okay, so the... What happens is there's an artist in New York. He's walking around outside at night. He uh, is just in his alley and this gargoyle, like a flying gargoyle, lands right in front of him, scratches him with, with his claws and uh, it lets him live. But it says, you have to promise that you'll never talk about what you've seen here. And uh, he says, okay, gargoyle flies away. And the guy lives. Uh, eventually, he meets he he uh, meets this other artist, and uh, they get married. They have kids, and uh, you know they, they they've been married for a while. And he he ends up painting the gargoyle, and he's had it hidden in his desk the whole time. So he he's like goes up to his wife, and he goes, "Look, I got to tell you something. Uh, I got to show you this this gargoyle." And he tells her about what happened, and it turns out. She's the gargoyle, and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, pro you know, she says like you promised never to tell, and her skin comes off. She turns into the gargoyle. Even the kids turn into gargoyles. 
and she's forced to kill him for whatever reason. But it was a great doom ending. I was not expecting that. And the rest of the stories are all pretty good. There's one with Christian Slater, and I think the the intro has uh, Debbie Harry from the group Blondie. Really good movie, and it, none, none of the segments, I think, were bad, but but that was my favorite one. And and the show was good too. Yeah, and this is another this is another one of those that I have not seen. I I saw a few episodes of the TV series back when they were in syndication on TV back in the eighties, but I don't really remember any of them. And I probably should watch some of them again just because I, I remember the show being good for what I saw, but I, for whatever reason, I just never. Never saw the movie, so I definitely need to check that out, too. Yeah, really good movie and kind of a cheesy show, but uh, they had a lot of uh, interesting little plots with mostly doom endings. And it's kind of interesting how like all of these horror anthologies have a lot of these doom endings. What do you think about that? Well, they, they kind of specialize in that. I mean, each little story has this this doom ending that never leaves you happy or never leaves you feeling safe. That's, that's what it is. And so, you know, you're going to be scared of something every episode and some shows don't do that very well, but tales from the dark side did a pretty, pretty good job. But like I said, the intro alone is the scariest thing you'll ever see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was pretty scary. Yeah. What do you got? Okay, so my last pick here is going to be one that I know you mentioned you haven't seen, but you should go back and see this. And I haven't seen it in a while, but this is a movie that has is sort of infamous for the Doom ending. And I can't remember a film that came out before this that had such a shocking twist to it. And what I'm talking about is the original 1968 film, Planet of the Apes. Uh, This is the one starring Charlton Heston. And the basic idea of this movie, the synopsis, is that uh, Charlton Heston and three other astronauts, they leave Earth and they're in this, like, spaceship flying through space at like light speed and they wake up like 2000 years later. So, but because they're traveling at light speed, they haven't really aged at all. And so they wake up and they're in this like hibernation type of thing that you see in a lot of the sci-fi movies where like, you know, we'll just put you to sleep and then we'll send you in a spaceship and then you'll, you'll wake up when you get there. We've seen that a ton of times, but that's, basically what's happening in this movie and when the astronauts wake up they discover a new planet and so they come down to the planet and they quickly realize that they're not the only ones there they're on the planet of the apes and the planet of the apes is a bunch of 
just highly intelligent apes like gorillas and orangutans and chimpanzees and they've got government and religion and all of the things that you would have in a civilization but there's these like humanoid creatures that look like humans but they don't talk they're kind of like they're kind of like the dumb animals on the planet of the apes so that's like the roles have been reversed Long story short, Charlton Heston meets this woman. Hmm. They steal these horses, they escape, and they ride off together, and they're riding along the beach, and Charlton Heston comes across the most shocking thing that anyone had seen in cinema up to that point, which is the Statue of Liberty buried in the sand. And, yeah, it's like... It's iconic. It's been parodied a million times. I mean, uh, even Mel Brooks parodied it in Spaceballs. But the whole point is, is that, okay, it's 2,000 years in the future, but really they, they're just back on Earth. And so that's when he realizes that they're fucking doomed. So, yeah, when this came out, I don't think, I think it was probably the most shocking twist ending that had ever been than anyone had ever seen up to that point. And it's still iconic today because it's just, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole movie, the whole two hours, like, if, if you don't know what's happening, you just think that they're on this weird planet with talking apes. But to turn it around and say, hey, this is actually the future Earth, and we've evolved to this point where, like, the apes have taken over and they're the intelligent ones now. I mean, obviously, it doesn't make a... a ton of sense with the the timeline but at the same time like seeing that statue of liberty is like just visually stunning so yeah i've seen that poster i I remember that image yeah i'll have to uh i need to watch that i i know it's a legendary movie and i don't know why i haven't seen it but i will yeah i mean they're they're all pretty good but the so after this came out there was like five sequels that came out in the 70s and they're all okay but like none of them are like this and the reason why this is so good is because of the ending that's what you remember you remember the ending from this movie the other ones are okay but it wasn't until like you know recent years where these were all rebooted that they kind of like were good again but most of the most of the 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 newer movies are actually the best ones out of the whole series, but there's probably like eight or nine of these movies in the whole franchise that they made. So there's quite a, quite a few out there, but the original 1968 film is the one to see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. All right. So my last pick here, a legendary movie. It's called Creep Show. Most people have, have probably seen either Creep Show one or two, there is also a creep show series on Shudder, and that's really good. Anyway, Creep Show is another anthology movie that's got like four or five different stories, but it's it's kind of designed to look like a horror comic book. You know, like it's it's got really colorful reactions when people are scared. They didn't use any special effects, you know. I mean, a computer generated effects it was all real effects and uh you know i i can't think of a bad segment in creep show 
one or two that was, you know, boring or something. They, they were all good. And I, I remember I went to see Creepshow 2 in the movie theater with my stepdad. I must have been like six or seven years old, something like that. And uh, one of the greatest doom endings of all time. So there's these these college kids driving a 1980s Firebird. So so they're immediately awesome because that's the coolest car of mm -hmm. all time. It is. Anyway, it is. So you got two guys and two girls heading to the beach with this lake. So they go to this little lake. There's nobody else there. There's like this wooden raft in the middle of the lake. And uh, they want to go out there and party. So they got all this beer. You know, they're going to go out there and smoke. And they do get out there. And they're on this raft in the middle. And there's this black puddle they see in the water. And, and so they're like, well, it's probably oil or, you know, it's just dirty. Just some dirt or something. So they're all having a great time. And they fall asleep on the uh, on the wooden raft. And uh, when they wake up, they see that uh, the black stuff has grabbed onto somebody's face through the cracks in the wooden raft and basically ripped off her face. So, so three of the people are eaten or are consumed by this black puddle. I think one guy tried to get away, but he didn't make it. He tried to swim for the the coast he didn't make it two more people die now one guy uh while one of the girls is being killed by the, the the sludge he decides to take off for the the beach he th he thinks he can make it so he gets in the water and he swims really fast and he does make it he gets to the beach and uh he sees the black sludge coming up to the the edge of the beach and he tells it i beat you you know, I made it. I, I I beat you. And then the sludge turns into a wave and gets him. And mm -hmm. I man. He doesn't he doesn't quite get out of there. No, he should have just kept walking. But uh man, that was that was great. One of the best doom endings of all time. So that was that was uh Creep Show Two. Creep Show Two. Right. Creep Show Two. Any any good ones on the original first movie? Oh yeah. The original there's a segment that has Ed Harris, who does some of the worst dancing I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> so he clearly has no dancing skills at all. But you should watch that just to see his dancing. Anyway, it's, it's about all these rich kids. You know, they're all in their 30s. They're all rich. They're all kind of snobs. And they're all at their dad's house for his birthday. And... uh the dad died, so they're celebrating his birthday, you know, without him. And I think the the power goes off or something, and they, they're like, oh, go out and check the power. There's a drunk lady who knew the dad, and she's at the grave site drinking and just, like, talking to the gravestone. She's totally wasted. And um, I think she gets pulled in by a skeleton hand that comes out of the ground. But anyway... After a couple of people have died, you get to this great doom ending where it's one of the kids. Uh, it's not Ed Harris. No, he, he's gone. Ed Harris is dead. So it's, it's one of the male kids and his sister, both just totally rich snobs. And uh, they're like, the power's out. Let's go in the kitchen and see what's going on in there. They look down. They see that there's 
bloody footprints or something or muddy footprints going into the kitchen and they're like, whatever, let's just open the door. They open the door and there's the dead dad with somebody's head on top of a birthday cake. And he's like, I got my cake. Cause that's all he wanted. Like they had these memories of him pounding on the table going, I want my cake. I want my birthday cake. And then in the end, he's there with a skeleton face, you know, totally rotted corpse going, I, I finally got my cake. And uh, I'm sure the two people were killed after that, but that was amazing. And the whole, the whole movie was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was a good one. The, um, my, my, I think my favorite doom ending wasn't necessarily my favorite uh, segment in the movie, but I, I, I really liked the one that was starring Stephen King, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Yeah. And uh, this is basically about this kind of this country boy who's not very smart and a meteor comes crashing into his his land and he goes out to uh, see what's see what's going on and as you do you you touch the thing right and so he touches the meteor and uh the meteorite whatever it is and all of a sudden uh things start growing everywhere just like greenery and weeds and just all of this stuff and pretty quick it's like moss right yeah it's like moss and weeds and just random like greenery that just starts growing on everything it starts growing on on the land it starts growing on his house and then it starts growing on him and so he first discovers it where he where he touched it he starts getting like this mossy type of shit just growing all over him and by the end of the night it's completely consumed him yeah to the point where he's just like He's just sitting there with like his shotgun and decides to end it all because he can't do anything else. It's just like he's become part of the landscape. And so he just blows his head off. But <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a pretty good doom ending. Well, I can see why you like all these anthologies because they kind of all end the same way. Oh, yeah. Every every segment of that movie and the second one and the series on Shudder has an incredible doom ending yeah but one one thing i have to warn people about now there is a creep show three okay it has nothing to do with the first and the second one i don't think any of the behind the scenes people were involved and it is terrible so so don't watch that one just forget about stay away from it yeah i haven't seen that one but i'll i'll stay away with uh, I'll stay away from it. Apparently on Rotten Tomatoes it has 0%. Yeah, it doesn't exist. So just, it should it should be a negative 0. It's that bad. Negative 0. Okay. We'll send an email to Rotten Tomatoes and tell them it should be negative 0. Yeah. But now Creep Show, the whole thing amazing. And the show is still going still going on Shutter. I think there's 3 seasons. And the fourth one will be out pretty soon. Awesome. Good good tips for lots of things to see then. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots lots to look at there. Well, we made it through 10 films uh, fairly quickly. That, uh, that was, uh, I think that gives us a lot of different things for people to go out and watch. Oh, one thing that I forgot to mention too is 
one one of the best doom endings and the reason we didn't really touch on this very much or we didn't touch on this at all is because we already did a podcast on this and that's the mist and so um that's another one on our list of like you know possibly the best or one of the best doom endings ever but we already did a whole podcast on it so if you haven't heard about that go listen to our podcast that we did on frank darabont's the mist so that's the last thing i want to say about that sorry just wanted to get that in there so so we always talk about like you know uh that our listeners should reach out to us and tell us what you think about the episodes and and what you're watching and so forth but um i'd really like to know some of the movies that that you like that that have these kind of endings because you know let's face it a movie is either good or bad based on the ending you know if it doesn't have a good ending it's not going to be a good movie but in particular these kind of like shocking doom endings are one of the best things that you can see in a movie and so if you have some suggestions about what you're watching or things that you like that have these kind of endings uh shoot us an email or or message on instagram or facebook and uh yeah, let us know what, what we should be seeing that we're missing. Definitely. We we want to hear from you. So let us know your thoughts, and uh, we'll try to uh, talk about it in the future. Oh, and by the way, so we've talked about a lot of uh, really messed up movies and, and, and messed up things that disturb people. Now, the next podcast is my choice, and it's actually going to be kind of funny, and it's something that everybody can relate to and i know you're gonna want to for all the people out there will want to add some feedback on the next episode so look forward to that anyway thanks for listening again as always and uh we will see you next time all right adam thanks a lot we'll see you next time